Um, what I like when I teach recipes, for me, it's not just learn the recipe, do this to that. For me, people really should embrace cooking. It's not following steps from a guidebook one after the other one. It's really learn it. It's like if you learn the letters of the alphabet, you can read. If you learn a few things in cooking, you can cook anything in the world. Today I'm talking to Julian Kutos about his work as chef and his online cooking classes. Hello, Julian. Hi, Petra. Nice to meet you. It's lovely to meet you too. Um, thank you so much okay. for your time. Hmm? Well, thanks for inviting me. I thought it might be nice in summer doing it outside and since we don't have to worry about rain today, it should be fine. Perfect, yeah. No, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for thinking about that. <laughs> uh, but Julian, um, you have this wonderful channel um, and I've I discovered you on Instagram. And um, I would love to know where you started and, and how your career started as a chef. Okay, so to answer this, let's go back to the way first beginning. It actually started when I was a kid and when I was um, working with my grandmother in the kitchen, I actually learned the passion for food about my grandmother. I have always been a very spoiled little kid because my grandmother always was cooking. Whatever she did, it always was fresh, it was homemade. Some of the vegetables came from our garden. So when I was getting older and I moved out, I realized it doesn't taste as good as in, anymore. What did my grandmother do differently than anybody else? So I realized, yeah, because she did everything herself and this love and the search for homemade good food kept on going and it's still there. And then after finishing high school, I went to university and I studied marketing, which is not exactly food related, but my very first job after university was in the marketing department of an organic brand in Austria. So even though I studied something not so food related, I ended up in the field and this is where my journey into the food world started. At first I always was behind the scenes doing marketing and everything else, but then after two years, then I moved to China, to Shanghai. Again, I was doing marketing for wow. a supermarket. <laughs> and yeah, then I decided, okay, I did that, but now I would like to work even much more with the product itself. So instead of selling food, I wanted to create my food. And this is how it got very interesting. Um, at the time I was a vegetarian and a good friend of mine, Jackie, she told me about this amazing culinary school in California. She was, um, well, she still is from the US. So I decided, okay, let's become a chef. I want to try something different, but something really different. I wanted to learn how to make vegetables. So I went to the Culinary Institute of Living Light in California, where I learned raw and vegan food. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
I took a little detour with my food journey. So mm -hmm. since I was so much into raw and vegan food at the time, after graduating, of course, I wanted to get my hands dirty and get some real work done. So I found my first job opportunity in Berlin and I moved there and I was living there for two years, working in vegan, vegetarian and, and raw food restaurants. And while I was there, I also started teaching on the side. Many customers at the restaurant just came to the kitchen and asked, how do you do that? This looks also amazing. Can you show us? And this is how this started. Just people asking, why don't you share some of your recipes? This is also how I started with my food photography business. It just was necessary when I cook something, I have to present it nicely and have a picture. At the end, people want to see what the actual food looks like. That's true. And it's, it's also part of the, uh, the, the whole experience um, is what the food looks like, what it tastes like and the the smell and everything but but the picture also makes that in a way you know it, it it taps into your imagination of of what it could be like i think that's a nice way of putting what yeah. it could be like mm -hmm. this is also a way how i describe my recipes how it could be like it's just a suggestion it's a guideline a recipe is not exact science it will always taste differently regardless where you are what you have to work with so yeah it's a guideline yeah what it could be yeah but um so and and from berlin because you're in vienna at the moment so how did that how did that journey then get back to vienna since I was living in Berlin, it was much easier to fly home to Austria to visit. And there was this nice little vegan restaurant opening up in the 7th district. And I was just wondering, I think I met her at a trade fair in Vienna. And she was asking me, well, I'm opening up this restaurant. Why don't you want to be the head chef? We could use someone with your talents. And this is what I did. I moved to Vienna. So after two years Berlin, I, start, I finally came home back to yeah. Austria. And I started out there. But while I was there, doing again more courses and getting much more chef work done, I also realized that I still have many things that I have no clue about, like mm -hmm. cooking techniques, how to do basic things, because I started with vegan food. But if you talk to regular chefs that work in regular restaurants, they want how to make sauces, how to prepare this and that. And again, a gap that needs to be filled. So I decided I go where all good food is coming from, to Paris. Wow. I, mm -hmm. I joined um, the Alain Ducasse cooking school in Paris. I did pastry there, patisserie and French food. I did an internship at the Eiffel Tower restaurant to brush up on my cooking skills. And ever since that time in Paris, I have all yeah i do all cuisines of the world 
it's like my personal food philosophy. I like to eat everything, but something different every day. So I do a little French food, Italian food, Asian food, Thai food, vegetarian with meat, with fish. So every day there's something different. So yeah, it keeps being interesting for everyone. Yeah, but what an amazing approach. And then of course, every time you learn something, because you have to to think also about the, the cultural background of the food that you're cooking. Yeah, it, this is what I like when I travel. I like to bring a piece back home. We all know we all love traveling and something that stays with us for a very long time is usually the food or the smell. Think about if you go to a garden or a market, you can remember, oh yeah, I was despised and even with my eyes closed, I can smell, yeah, it smelled wonderfully there. Or you can remember a specific food experience, whether it's eating a baguette in Paris or a gelato in Italy or in Thailand when I had Thai curry in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, also the culture, food brings us all together in a way. Wow. People should just eat more. <laughs> yeah, because if you also speak to people and you start asking um, about dishes, then, then you, you start seeing also how certain dishes have developed across the borders of countries, you know? And, and that is so amazing for me uh, that that happens. This is also so nice um, that you're crossing borders. There are many foods that you can find everywhere in the world, like meatballs. There's a meatball dish in most probably every country in the world, whether it's Austrian faschierte Leibchen, the Germans call them Buletten. In Sweden, they are um, Schöttbulla. The Thai people have something, the Americans call it a hamburger. Things travel and yeah, we well, can all South talk about something similar. Yeah, well, in South Africa, we call it frikadella. Frika oh, that's, are you from South Africa? Yes, so we Perfect. call it frikadella, but we have it as well, yeah. It sounds German because also the Germans, they call it frikadelle. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So maybe we adapted it from there. This is also funny when you talk about things, you realize the common background for yeah something so simple as a meatball. But if you think back in history, yeah, things were traveling back in the days as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But I, even talking about South Africa, if I think all the dishes that we have there that are really influenced by so many different cultures, um, you know, uh, if I just think of our traditional uh, dish, babuti, which was actually from a Malayan, you know, Malayan influence, the, the dish. So, um, yeah, I find it also fascinating how, how food really travels with us. You know? That's really true. And it's never just the food about one country, because every country in the world absorbs what they see, what they discover, what they experience, and also what the people bring with them. There are immigrants in every country in the world, so things change, traditions change, or there, they expand. But now, in, in that sense that you say the traditions change, if I also can name this as an example, certain dishes in South Africa, we, we, we have different variations of it. So, 
somebody will make a melt tart in a certain way and, and there will be different variations, but it's still approximately the same thing. So how do you feel about this? You know, that, that for example, in Vienna, the Wiener Schnitzel, in, in uh, Austria, the Wiener Schnitzel, is there something that you think you should not deviate from the original? You should absolutely stay and stick with how it is made. I think one thing that cannot be changed is the type of meat. If it's an original Viennese schnitzel, it must be from veal. If it's pork or if it's chicken or turkey or whatever, it can still be a great schnitzel. It's just not a Viennese schnitzel. Okay. Everything else, this is also nice about discovering food. If you have 10 schnitzels, they will all be the same, like you mentioned, but differently because every chef has his own special thing whether it's about the breadcrumbs or the eggs or they might add a specific spice or the choice of oil some of them make them in ghee some fry them in oil so this also affects the flavor but yeah it, it must be real otherwise it's just a schnitzel oh okay yeah but um what really attracted me about your page and about what you do is First of all, you have this very uh, lovely personality and, and always smiling and talking and, you know, but uh, I find when you, and this is what I now in the interview thought, uh, maybe this is why, because you learned from your grandmother or you observed your grandmother while she was cooking and, and this inspiration, but you have a way of teaching the recipe or demonstrating the recipes as if it's uh, talking to a friend. You know, it's like um, uh, somebody comes up to you and say, oh, just tell me how you did this. And you have this way of doing it, which I find is lovely. I've never heard it presented in this way, but it sounds very nice. Thank you. Um, what I like when I teach recipes, for me, it's not just learn the recipe, do this to that. For me, people really should embrace cooking. It's not following steps from a guidebook one after the other one it's really learn it it's like if you learn the letters of the alphabet you can read if you learn a few things in cooking you can cook anything in the world and again i don't want to teach people how to make a schnitzel i want to show you how to prepare a meat in this way and then you can have it for the rest of your life it's like this ancient quote, I think it's from the Bible, if you give someone a fish, he will eat for one day, but if you teach him how to fish, he will not be hungry for the rest of his life. So I follow a similar approach. I want to empower people to really learn it and also do it. It doesn't make any sense to create elaborate recipes that take forever and you need so many complicated things or you need 10 people to help you get it done. Instead, I just want people to have simply good food every day, whether it's a schnitzel, it's a strudel, it's a salad, whatever you like. Yeah, because this is sometimes the problem is that if you see a chef do it, um, it, it looks very simple and, and, you know, if it's a complicated recipe, you sometimes halfway through, I think, do you know what, I'm not even going to bother because I'm, I won't be able to do it, you know, but with you, it's different. It's like you, you make it seem as if everybody can do it, you know, that, and that's what I love so much. 
This is also something I had to learn because Again, like you just mentioned, many chefs, we tried to have the best, the most beautiful, the most artistic food. But then again, this is us. We know how it's done. We have people that help us. We have the equipment. It's very different if you're just cooking for yourself or your family at home. So my approach needed to change drastically because people value simple things. I see this every time I post something on the internet. The easiest things at the moment is cherry pie and fried chicken okay. are by far the most popular recipes because it's relatable. Everybody knows I make a wonderful little pie with mm -hmm. eggs, butter and sugar. I add some fruit or with fried chicken. I coat it and put it in the oil. It's easy to follow and people can do it very nicely at home. Mm. No, that's true. And I see also um, uh, during Mother's Day, the week of Mother's Day, you had this lovely uh, um, series where you cooked with your mum and your and your, and your Omi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. My, my mum loves to visit me in Vienna and she's also very active in the kitchen. Actually, when I think about it, everybody in my family loves cooking. No one has ever done it professionally. Neither my grandmother, she was working many, many years ago for a very short time at the hotel. But then again, she never was a professional chef. Also, my mother, she, um, they have a big farm at home where they grow tomatoes. They have pigs, they make bacon and things like that. They were always surrounded with food, but yeah, never as a regular chef. So I guess the torch, they were passing it on. And I also like to, every time when I have a problem about traditional Austrian food, the first thing I call my grandmother, because I'm sure she has done it a million times or she has a recipe that she has been using for years. And then she teaches me, she shows me how a recipe and then I add my own personal touch because again, things change. I've traveled the world. I like to mix things up a bit, like with my fried chicken. I use something the Indians use for the butter chicken. I marinate it first. Many Austrian might say, that's not Austrian. Well, it isn't. But why can't things yeah, change over time yeah. if it makes it a lovely experience? Yeah, that's true. And uh, your grandmother, uh, does she love your cooking as well? Or do you still go and have her cooking? Well, every time when I go to her, I let her do all the cooking, but yeah. also it goes the other way around. If she visits me in Vienna, I ask her, what would you like? What shall I cook for you? Oh, she always picks something that she would never cook on her own. And I pick something that I don't make very often. <laughs> There's still a few dishes that I don't touch because I know grandmother can do it best. Mm. Yeah, uh, there, there has to be something like that. That only she can make. That's true, and that's also good that there are some things that are just, yeah, yeah. for the two of us. It's like um, frikadellen, that's actually one of my favorite things since I was a little kid. My grandmother always used to make meatballs with mashed potatoes, mm. and I never really mastered how she got it done. I can make very nice meatballs, but they will never taste like hers. Mm. 
Oh, I guess it's also a little bit of imagination. It's like traveling. It always tastes better when you eat it there. But yeah, that's nice just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's it's like you say, it's part of a mem the memory. But now, um, the reason why I'm also talking to chefs and pastry chefs and winemakers because I think it's a form of art that we sometimes uh, not recognize as a form of art because we eating we see it as as nutrition and we see it as something that we do every day and but I think during the lockdown also people started cooking and and started uh, experimenting with food a lot do you think this is a positive that people now start being more aware and that you know, may, maybe also more aware of what you are doing, that it's not just uh, cooking, that it's really something um, creative and it's also something a bit more scientific. I think this already started way before the lockdown, that people realized food is not just something you eat, something that nourishes you, but it can have so many more functions. It can be an art form, it's a social experience, it brings people together. When you eat good food, you're happy, you have great energy, you give good vibes, you get inspiration. So it is much more than just eating. and um, I could definitely agree that all the lockdowns, as horrible as they were, one good thing was people were focused much more on what they were eating and also doing something on your own that you would have never considered. I've heard so many stories about people, they call themselves lockdown bakers. So many people started with sourdough or just regular bread baking because everybody was worried, oh my God, there will be no more flour left, there will be no fresh yeast left. So we stock it up and we realized it's not so hard. You put these four ingredients together and you have a wonderful bread and this also was spreading to other things whether it's pasta making or baking and people were proud of their things sharing them taking pictures and making sure yeah it's again not just food it can be an art form yeah well this is what i found um when i photographed the artists in their windows in vienna that um Many times when we had this conversation, it, it ended up being something like, oh, what did you do in the time? Oh, I started baking or I started cooking or, you know, I started painting. But it was, for me, interesting that that as a as a creative, as a, as a singer or a dancer, you know, they started doing something like that. And it was almost as if it was a way of also expressing, you know, also doing something creative. This is also what food is. Food is always different depending on your mood. When you're sad, when you're happy, you make different food. So this is again, yeah, like yeah. painting. It's an expression of what you feel right now. Do I feel like family time? I want to have a big meal. I want to have a big feast. Or do I feel like easy, relaxed, just a salad or maybe a little bit sad and I need something with maybe lots of sugar or chocolate yeah. that helps you cheer up? Mm -hmm. It's like a mirror. I think this is also something people say many times. If you look into someone's fridge, you know what the person feels like. I think up to a point this can be true. You can see what they do at home, what patterns they home, how they live, depending on 
yeah, what they have in their fridge. I think that's there's a, definitely a truth in that. But um, what is your favorite? Um, how shall I say, not, not dish to cook, but but do you like to bake more or cook more or, or is sweets? What, what are your signature type of uh, dishes? I actually like both fields. I also love baking and cooking. For me, it's all about the variety and the mix. I would not be happy if I would just do baking all the time because then I would miss out on all the savory dishes. And the other way around, if I would just do meat and vegetables, I would miss out on all the baked goods and baked deliciousness. One of my signature dishes, if you want to sum it up, I would say something I really can do well is pasta freda, which I have learned yeah, in Italy. It's a cold pasta dish. You can have it hot or you can have it as a pasta salad. This is one thing, if it's about Asian food, I would say I can do Thai curry very well. And if it's something sweet, I would say let's stick to the cherry pie. That's one of my really? favorite things at the moment. I can also do a decent apple strudel. Oh, is it? Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> this is one thing that I started during the lockdowns. This is how I got into online courses. People were asking, I want to do something at home, but I can't come to your place. Why don't you show us online? And it proved that apple strudel is a very popular thing, especially in Germany. Because oh. Germans love Austria and yeah, why not bring a piece of Austria into their homes? Yeah, yeah I must say, I must admit, uh, Apfelstrudel is, is also my favorite. You um, can never go wrong with that. No, 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 definitely not. But now, Julian, uh, tell me, what are your wishes for the future? My wishes for the future, I want to continue working what I do now. I want to expand my online business much more. This is something I realized during all the lockdowns. People love spending time at home cooking with families. And it's a nice new way of cooking and coming to people. Because if I just have my cooking school here in Vienna, which is beautiful, it's a nice way, but not everybody come to here. It's yeah. limited in space. I can't deal with too many customers at the same time. With online courses, I can teach to people everywhere, whether they're on a small little island in the Northern Sea or in Amsterdam or in the US. These are also stories that happened to me. People join for the cooking class from unknown places. I had someone who wanted to do the sushi course. Um, he asked me if I could send the recipes two weeks in advance because the boat only goes to the island once per week. So he needs really? to get his shopping done. Or there was this one um, story. There were three parties involved. The son, he was living in L.A. Then I think the grandmother or the aunt was in Innsbruck and then there was also one family member in Germany and they all wanted to make dumplings. And there were three countries involved, so also we needed to tweak the recipes. In Austria and Germany it's easy to find all the ingredients, but how about buying bread... Um, I don't even know the English word. 
It's not breadcrumbs, bread cubes. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. L like a, a crouton. A crouton, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, go and find that in LA. I'm sure it is somewhere there, but also the bread is different. I can remember he had a Jewish roommate, so bacon was not an option. So he wanted to do it. I think they decided on pastrami. This is also what I really like about the online courses. It's not just me doing things, it's interactive. People tell me, oh look, I have this thing at home, can I use it? Or I don't eat bacon or pastrami, I live in the middle of nowhere, what can I buy in a regular supermarket? This is how I can also make what I do better and yeah make it more accessible for everyone so online is a big yes. thing for, for me and i will expand much more the online courses are doing very well but yeah there's still much more work to learn many people haven't heard about this form of cooking many people are a little bit fed up with zoom meetings because yeah, you had to do it during the lockdowns, but now it's a wonderful form of communication and it's also fun. Yeah, it's like what we're doing today. If you yeah. like the setting, why not do it in a fun way and learn something? Yeah, just, yeah, in the meantime. Yeah, and it's also creative because now you're hearing and you you and people are solving problems the whole time. You know, okay, I can't do this, but what can I do instead? And and this is maybe how also different dishes will evolve. Then it will definitely evolve because there will always be someone who thinks. I don't like it this way, I don't like this ingredient, or I don't have these things at home, how can we make it even easier? This mm -hmm. is really good that you actually are invited into customers' houses. You can see what's going on in the kitchen, you can see what ingredients they have, what tools they have, and then it helps us to get better by thinking, okay, in a kitchen I'm used to have everything ready, but what about regular people? They don't have this or that at home, but they still want to make it. And many nice things can come up with by just saying, I don't have this at home, but I still want to try it. Let's try it with, yeah, something else. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I think this is a brilliant idea. And like you say, now you reach people from all over the world, you know, it's a, a wonderful way of doing that. But hmm? If we speak about the world, this is also something that I can do now. I can take my work with me. Wherever I have internet in the yeah. world, which is pretty much everywhere, I can set up shop, I can do courses from there. I haven't done it yet, but I want to do so in the very near future that let's say I spend a month in Italy or in Asia or somewhere else. I want to do my courses from there and show them local food, make something yeah, that's far away accessible to everyone. I can learn something, they can be part of the journey. And if you want to still do apple strudel, I can also show you how to make apple strudel in China. Yeah, and, and how about going to South Africa? Africa is a very big unknown. I've only been to Kenya once. Oh, I really I... love Africa. So South Africa could be a good start. Yeah. I've heard so many nice stories. It, it's also good from a timing perspective because there's no huge time difference. Yeah. Yeah. See, you can do something lovely there.
What would you recommend if I want to start my South African journey? What are three things that I have to see or try or do? In South Africa, you have to, I would say, you have to go down to the Cape and experience the, the winelands and the, um, that culture around that. Uh, in the Cape, and then there's also the fish, you know, and and uh, uh, the, there are some fish that that's uh, like snook, for example. Well, okay, that would be complicated because it's a fish that's that's that you just get in South Africa, but maybe you can adapt it to to or or find similar fish that that you can use in in, in other countries as well. Um, yeah, and, and I think then that would be something that I think it's it's and then of course it's a lot of outside cooking. It's like bar barbecue. We call it a braai, but there's also a lot to explore around that. Outdoors barbecue, the ocean. That all sounds like a good combination. Yeah, and wine. Don't forget the <laughs> of wine. Of course, <laughs> wine is very important. It makes everyone everything yeah. just a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, Julian, I just have one more question for you. Can you do a shout out for uh, your favorite coffee shop? My favorite, cof my favorite coffee shop in Vienna. If you want to try very good home roasted coffee, go to Alt Wien. It's a small um, shop. I think it's in Schleifmühlgasse. They roast their own coffees. They're experts in whatever questions you have about coffee. Okay, so now Alt Wien, I will put, um, I will put their link also in the description. And all your, um, all your, your, your page and, and so on, I will also put in the description. Julian, uh, it was so lovely to talk to you. Thank you, Petra. The pleasure was mutual. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and all the best and all the... Uh, I, I hope your wish comes true that your online way of teaching and, and, and uh, communicating with people, that that will all um, work out well. I'll do my very best. Okay. <laughs> okay Thank Julian, you so much, Petra. Have a, have a good day. day. Bye. Bye.